Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Caitlin Gilfoyle about why organizations need to redesign for modern work. Caitlin Gilfoyle, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It is great to be with you. I am so excited to have a nice conversation with you. You're joining us from Australia. It is 1 a.m. So you are committed to having this conversation today. I'm in uh, Utah, south of Salt Lake City. It's 9 a.m. for me. Um, Today, we're going to be focusing on work design and work redesign and why organizations need to focus on that for the modern workplace and for the future of work. Um, I think that's an incredibly important topic. And and we're going to pull this apart and talk about all different um, aspects of it. Uh, And part of this is, you know, the whole move towards remote work and hybrid work. But there's much more to it than that. It's it's not just about where you're doing your work, but how you're doing your work, um, the work, how it itself is designed, uh, and how you interact with others in the organization in the process of doing your work and so on and so forth. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. As we get started, I wanted to share Caitlin's bio with everybody. Caitlin Gilfoyle is a workforce transformation specialist with over 15 years of experience in Australia and globally in roles within public and private enterprise. A leader within PricewaterhouseCoopers Future of Work Practice, Caitlin researches global market trends as they relate to people and organizations and supports clients across all industries to help them prepare for the future of work now. And I really like that focus, preparing for the future of work now. Of course, we want to be, you know, forecasting and thinking thoughtfully, you know, to look around the corner and see what things are, you know, coming and how we can prepare for the future. But largely, we're in it now, right? And we need good, meaningful, fulfilling, purpose-driven jobs now uh, so that we can attract and retain great people and provide great products and services for the market. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Great to have you. Anything else you would like to share with us and me and my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I think it is a really important conversation, as you said. And from my perspective, it's just when you look at this objectively, it's such a fascinating time to be 
you know, in this industry as people and workforce practitioners, there's so much going on and it's incredibly complex, but these conversations are just so important so that we can unpack all of that. So um, really excited to have the conversation today and, and get into some of the nuances and some of the specific areas that I know will be of particular interest to the listeners. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And I've already kind of teased it, um, but we're talking about the the nature of work uh, and how things are shifting over time. And we've seen a lot of shifts in, you know, the, over the last decade plus, but particularly in recent years during the course of the pandemic, um, which has accelerated us into this future of work. And so you talk about focusing on the now. How do we do redesign that's going to uh, really uh, create a great environment in the here and now. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about why future orientation and futures thinking uh, can be important, uh, but how that can translate into what we're doing right now in our modern practice within our organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, first of all, the future of work as a topic can be a bit of a misnomer because originally we started out thinking it was really this you know futures thinking and we were talking about the foresight and signals and all of these big macro media market trends that seemed so far off and then it came closer and closer to where organizations really were and we were talking about strategic workforce planning which you know I think when we talked about that organizations had the feeling that they had a couple of years to do it and they weren't really engaging it with it to the degree that we felt that they should have of course the pandemic accelerated a lot of the the change in organizations but fundamentally what happened is it really brought the future of work into the conversation for now and accelerated things that had been coming for some time and they brought it into those backyards so then we saw this huge amount of change and depending on who you're talking to it was somewhere between five and ten years of change within about a two-year period and when we think about what that meant for work and workforces and organisations, this was one of the biggest, if not the biggest changes to work that we had ever seen. So some of these things we had started to talk about, you know, started to talk about how we balance our work and our personal lives, how, you know, technology starts to have an impact on organisations, what reskilling looks like. And all of a sudden those conversations became very real. And where those two intersections come, the future of work and, and modern work as, as we are now, is when we started to talk about scenarios planning I mean this was something that you know some organizations and industries had thought about an event like this and that's why the importance of scenario planning comes into this conversation but then we're in the reality of it and it becomes more around business continuity and reacting and responding rather than being that more strategic lens. So now we're in, we've had this huge amount of change over the last two years and we find ourselves coming out of it saying, well, where are we now? Um, and where do we need to go to next? Do we go back? Do we go forward? Do we go somewhere in the middle? Where exactly are we? And that's the conversation now which really dominates a lot around the future of work conversations around hybrid and flexible working and work-life integration. Um, it's not so much the, the futures and the signals, but what exactly is happening now and how do we need to reorient our organizations to be able to deal with that? Yes, very well said. And so we need to fundamentally rethink how we are designing work, 
how to optimize it within this new context and recognizing that things are going to continue to shift. Uh, and if, if we haven't already jumped on the bus in terms of the shifts that have been happening so rapidly over the last couple of years, we're going to find ourselves even further behind um, and, and frankly obsolete and just not even particularly relevant in the marketplace, uh, which of course is not a good thing for any organization, you know, any position for them to find themselves in. So let's talk more about, you know, the types of things you, you feel organizations need to be fundamentally rethinking about work design in the here and now. Not Again, not waiting five years or 10 years or thinking about, you know, AI in 2050, but like right now, what are some of the ways we need to be thinking meaningfully about meaningful job redesign? Yes. So there's a couple, there's probably a couple of things. There's one is, you know, where have you landed and, and this, you know, primarily talk about, you know, organisations with knowledge workers and who work in hybrid ways or who had that remote aspect over the last few years and saying, where have you found yourselves now in regard to that landscape and have you decided to move forward with this, with this current context or have you decided to revert back to, you know, the way things were before? Um, because in a lot of instances, organisations, they took work from in the office, they, they, popped it online and they didn't change anything around how it was done. And so we now find ourselves in, you know, perhaps some sort of hybrid working scenario where we're doing parts in the office, we're still doing parts from home. However, nothing else has changed around how we organise for work. We haven't designed how we collaborate in these environments. We haven't thought about the skills that are necessary. We haven't talked about how leadership really needs to um, have a different lens and different focus areas in this environment. So now we need to do a, a, a bit of a stop and a reset on who, do, who where are our organisations going in the future? What level of risk and, you know, and modern innovation and um, contemporary thinking are we willing to engage with? What are our employees telling us, which is a huge part of this? And then how can we actually stop and think about intentional design of these things? So if we're going to work in multiple places and spaces, what does that mean for how we work? What does it mean around the technology that we're going to need to be able to optimise this? And how do we start to, you know, really shake things up in terms of advancing and not going back to a, a place where it is neither here nor there, which we've not intentionally thought for? And I think that at the core of this is also a really interesting position at the moment with certainly the, the labour market in Australia, and I believe the labour market in America at the moment as well, is that we're at really low unemployment levels. And this power dynamic has really shifted between employees and employers, and employees have been very vocal about what, what they've say, said that they need from organisations and how they want to move forward, and that employee voice is really critical. So when we think again about the redesign of modern work, employees have to be a part of that from the co-design process so that it does work and so that their ideas are baked into this new reality. Yes, that co-redesign, I think, is such an important piece and really embedded into everything you've been saying is that we need to 
take a step back and just rethink uh, everything from scratch almost, it seems like, because there were just so many things that were culturally embedded that we just did because we've always done them. It's always been done that way. And if, if we haven't learned anything over the last couple of years, you know, we, we hopefully have recognized and that we need to challenge some of those assumptions about what is necessary, what is important, uh, and, and do some pruning, get rid of the yes. stuff that doesn't matter anymore. And, and frankly, I think a lot of that stuff that we were doing in the physical office space doesn't matter anymore. So that needed to be pruned anyways. But you know, when you move into an online or a hybrid kind of an environment, you have d- distributed teams, you know, there's just so much that doesn't make sense about how we used to do things. Uh, and so we need to challenge assumptions. We need to just not take things for granted, but question why. Why are we doing this? Uh, how can we do it better? Uh, and, and what will allow us to be more effective in you know, what we're doing individually within our teams, the organization as a whole to bring value to the market? Uh, and, and then how do we go about that process of, of rethinking and redesign? It has to be collaborative. It has to be co redesigned with the people who are doing the work. And so I have seen some organizations that, you know, they, they recognize this need. So they've been going through the process. They're having executive meetings, you see suite level, even middle management level meetings. And they're talking about what needs to happen. They're not actually talking to the people who are doing the jobs that are going to be impacted by these new policies and practices. Um, and so then lo and behold, they start to roll something out and it falls completely flat. I mean, that shouldn't surprise anybody, right? But yet it seems to be surprising them again and again and again. Um, so let's let's be committed to a, a redesign that involves the input of the people doing the actual jobs that need to be done and what matters most to them in terms of what the redesign could look like, you know, what's salient to them in terms of their meaning, their purpose, their motivations, their performance, uh, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. There was a really, we did some research last year on the, um, it's called What Workers Want, it was around the changing employee value proposition. And what we found was there was a, a really clear disconnect between the views of what leaders thought that employees wanted versus what employees wanted. And it can be a really challenging conversation to have in organisations, particularly with leaders to say, but do you really understand the sentiment of your workforce? Because they think that they do, but there is a big disconnect in that. So that's the first thing to address. And then the other one is when you ask your employees, what do you do with that information? And we've talked about this for so many years in, you know, in human capital circles, right? You go out with employee surveys, you ask people what they think, and then you never do anything with the information you lose trust in organisations. Now we've really opened up that dialogue and we've said, you know, we need your voice in this. But again, we have that same sort of, you know, decision making in a vacuum where we've asked the people through the pandemic, we've done so many surveys around how are you and how are you going, really tell us how you're going. And then we haven't really done enough with that information yet again. And so we've lost that currency of trust with our people and at some point they'll stop contributing they'll stop telling us how we are but we've kind of blurred those boundaries now we've said you know we want your whole selves at work we want to you know this this new life this new level of work-life integration has come upon us and we're, we're bringing everything to our organizations now however 
we're unwilling to engage with some of that still. And that's a real challenge for organisations when we're saying, we want your voices, we want your impact, we want to know how things are, but we're not really ready to deal with what that means for us in some of those really big, sticky, tricky challenges. Yeah, and certainly within the context of this, the sticky messiness of of these shifts in the redesign, that is always a you know a hard thing. But even simple things, sometimes organizations just are not willing to let go of it, right? So this whole idea of challenging assumptions of what's necessary, there there are things that you know you get. 10 line workers together and say, Hey, should we be doing this thing? And, you know, they'll all say, no, that's, that's dumb. Uh, And yet when they communicate that up the line, they hit resistance and they just have to keep doing it because that's what we do. That's what policy is or whatever. Instead of shifting the policy, you just make people continue doing stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, And so there really, there needs to be, you know, a commitment from top leadership on down uh, to, to rethink, thoughtfully about what's necessary be willing to check your ego at the door you know and and don't be it I, I get it if you've worked long and hard to create a structure and policies to serve you know the needs of the organization and now those are coming under attack quote unquote under attack and they're being challenged that can feel personal right and you can get defensive but let's check our ego at the door and realize it it has nothing to do with us it has everything to do with just people being their best selves at work and doing the best work they can possibly do. And if we keep that lens at the forefront, then it's not something we need to get defensive about. It's something we can just be open to, to learn. Um, And then we can be proactive about the channels by which we get that feedback, right? So you talked about surveys, um, you know, whether it's that annual or biannual survey or pulse surveys or whatever, whatever, you know, that's one way, but there have to be mechanisms in place where you're constantly and consistently getting the kind of uh, feedback uh, from your people, you know, that, that is possible. And then you talked about the trust currency. <laughs> I've seen this so many times in organizations I've been a part of where, again, I believe leadership is well-meaning. I believe that they, you know, they, they wouldn't go through the time and the trouble of doing a survey if they didn't feel like it was important to get input. Um, so I believe their intentions are good, but something's lost, you know, between the intention and the implementation and application of that intention. Uh, and because of that gap, then people just don't trust what you're doing. And they just feel like it's all for show. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, to check the box saying we asked our employees, but they don't actually care. I think they do usually actually care. But it's, you know, it's, it just seems like, like it's just a facade. And, and then when nothing seems to really be done with, with the information that's gathered, then people don't trust and they're, not, they're less willing to contribute or they feel like whatever they do say is just going to come back and bite them or hurt them. Uh, and, and so then people are less transparent, less willing to, to speak up and to speak out. And, and the problem then spirals, right? It just gets worse and worse and worse. And there's one organization in particular I'm thinking of at the moment where I've seen that process happen. It's like in slow motion for five years, I've been seeing this like downward spiral (laughs) of trust. Um, And I don't think there's any malicious intent on the part of leadership. I think they have good intentions. They just 
keep stepping on their own feet, you know, and they, they just can't get out of their own way uh, to, to do things that are going to make sense. Um, so their people feel empowered and, and valued, you know, and such. Um, and so all of that, I, I, you just raised some really, really important points about seeking that input, um, working with employees on the redesign process. So it's a collaborative co-redesign effort. And, and we've talked also, you know, over the last 20 minutes or so about, you know, we've alluded to flexibility around remote work, hybrid work, um, and, and people being able to live wherever, distributed teams and not being geographically locked in, you know, to having to live in a certain metropolitan area to work for the organization you want to work for. Uh, because employees have a lot more power right now to pick and choose where they want to be or how they want to work, organizations have really no choice but to pay attention to that or they're going to, you know, fall behind in the war for talent. Um, but it's it's not just hybrid work or virtual work, but it's it's preferences around uh, scheduling and, and like when, when you perform your work. Uh, it's, it's, it's about um, varying diverse perspectives and diversity and belonging and the types of technologies we're utilizing. Like all these things, uh, you know, together create this environment where we need to be thinking about redesign. So we need to be careful not to get stuck just thinking, oh, are we talking about, you know, what does a hybrid work week look like? I, I was having a conversation with a CHRO just the other day and, and uh, he was, you know, talking about how they've been having these conversations and and the big debate is, do they do two days in office, three days at home, or do they do three days in office, two days at home? And they're like churning over that question. And is that an important question perhaps, but is that the most important question? No, it's not. And, and, and you're spinning your wheels for something that actually doesn't really matter that much, right? The most important question is, what do we need to achieve? What do we need to achieve? And then how do we best achieve that? How can we come together to achieve those outcomes for our employees, customers, stakeholders, etc.? The where should actually be at the very end. It's like when you, when you go to, and I, I talk about this with architects and we're talking about the modern workplace. And quite often people will go to them and they'll say to the architect, well, what does our office need to look like? And they'll say that is the last question. The design is actually the last question that you ask. The first questions you ask are who are you as an organisation and what do you need to achieve and what does that look like and what's the activities and who are your people? And they go down this process and at the very end of that, then they say, well, this is the type of, you know, spaces and places that you need to be able to facilitate those outcomes. But they never start with that, you know, that place in mind first. So that's the question that organisations still need to ask is, what do we need to achieve as an, as an organisation and how are we going to do that? And then as a secondary or, or a third or a fourth point, where does that happen from? And are we enabling our people to do their best work? So it's a really, but it, it is, and I can understand how it's a really tricky landscape for organisations at the moment. And there's so much going on. There's still so much complexity in the environment. We are in a really constrained labour market. You know, there's lots of 
really sticky problems and complex problems that leaders are dealing with. So you can understand how they go to this very, you know, black and white decision around, do we mandate return to office? Do we choose two or three days? You know, because they're easy questions to ask. You know, they're not the really sticky ones that they need to get into with co-design and talking about trust and talking about belonging and talking about all of these things. It's going to take some time to work through because they just want to get to an answer now. So I completely understand that. But when we think about this change that's occurred, which is, you know, the biggest change probably since the 20s when the modern day work week came in with Henry Ford, we need to take a bit more time than just a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. You know, we need to take the time to take some experiments to work out, you know, what is going to be right for us now in our organisation, who we are now, not who we were two years ago, who we are now and what is going to be right for us. And, and that vulnerability of leaders to say, it's okay that we don't have the answers now and we're going to work through this and we're going to get some things wrong, but the experimentation is worth it to get somewhere right. So well said, Caitlin. This has just been a really fun conversation. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go and get to bed here in just a couple of minutes, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm on LinkedIn under Caitlin Guilfoyle, PwC, Future of Work Leader. Um, and so I'd love to connect with the listeners there and very, very happy to engage with these conversations always. And any links to publications are, are linked through my LinkedIn as well. Um, and really my takeaways from this conversation is if you are in a position to be able to influence a pause and a reset, take that moment because the pace of change is never going to slow down. We're never going to find that moment in a couple of months time when things will be so less hectic. Take the time now to pause and see how you can do a bit of a reset and a redesign around where you are and where you need to go into the future and see how many different and divergent voices from your organizations you can bring into that conversation. Yeah, well said, amen. Caitlin, it's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Caitlin can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.